0: Who brought your Bible tonight? Say word. Word. This is what you need. You don't need no more money. You don't need a relationship. You don't need what you think you need. You need Jesus. And so tonight, that's what we're going to do. The Holy Spirit kind of prompted me. uh, In Matthew, it says, for where, where your treasure is, that's where what? Where's your treasure tonight? What are you placing your hope in? What are you clinging to? Because that determines who you love, that determines who you worship, that determines who you honor, and I pray that not the physical book that we're holding in our hands, but the word of God, Jesus, is what you treasure. Amen. A lot of times we invest in a lot of things. A lot of times we pour into this, a lot of times we deposit into that. We need to deposit, we need to invest in the invisible, the things that we can't see, the things that aren't tangible, right? Right? Sometimes we want to see results. Anyone here results-oriented? You want to see, if I do this, I want to see it multiply. If I do this, I want to see it explode. What about I just trust God and, do, and see what he wants to do with it, right? Yeah. And so tonight, we're going to be talking about the is called The Matter, Matters of the Heart. This, not the physical heart, but in Proverbs says, Guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. Out of this flows everything, doesn't it? And if you don't learn how to guard it, Guess what? There's an enemy who wants to rip you off. There's someone who wants to break you down. Someone who wants to take everything in your life and drop you. But we have one man, one God-man. His name is Jesus. And he's the one that we're going to put our treasure in. And so tonight, we're going to pray and ask the Lord to bless our time. And um, I want you to think about that tonight. What am I investing in? One of the things that we, that you can tangibly do, the Lord is blessed. Uh, one of the things I want to share with you, we have a youth camp coming up in about a week or so, and the Lord blessed us with a, a financial dollar amount so we could send kids. That's God using us to invest in the invisible. That's that's what we want to be able to do. So if that's something you want to continue to do, if you know young people, high school, middle school, uh, stop by the table on your way out so that you can invest in the eternal, right? Let's stop focusing on what we can see and start focusing on what we believe. There's a difference, right? We walk by faith and not by... So church, let's do that. Let's pray. Father God, we come today because we believe your word and your word is greater than anything we could even conjure up in our own mind and our heart. And so tonight, expose things within our own heart. God, if there be sin, if there be compromise, if there be complacency in our life tonight, would you reveal that? Shine your light in the midst of a darkness of our lives, God. And Father, if there be anything, even in our own hearts, God, if we're divided, if our heart is divided, one foot in the world and one foot with you, God, would you make it clear as to how you want us to follow you? So I thank you for our church. Thank you, God, for the worship team. Thank you for Pastor Jeff and Pastor Chet. Thank you, God, for this new season we're in. You are here. Holy Spirit, we welcome you tonight, God. We ask you would have your way. So, Father, we thank you. We love you when we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said? Amen. 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 So tonight we'll be pick, picking up from, if you're last week, anyone here last week, say amen. amen. All right. So last week we we're in Philippians. So we're going to continue and be there. Philippians chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 10 through 30. So 20 verses. So we're going to, we're going to take some time today and just highlight a couple of things that the Lord may be speaking to a lot of us tonight. But Philippians chapter 1 verses uh, 10 through 30. So this is as we talked about the heart. If you hear last week, remember we talked about how Paul had this beautiful prayer to the church in Philippi, the Philippian church, and he said, hey guys, what I want you to do, I'm thinking about you and that's why it's on my heart. Remember we talked about how the mind and the heart are connected, right? We want God to renew our mind, to transform us because it impacts our hearts. And because God has impacted our hearts we're learning how to love who he loves. We're learning how to love the unlovable. We're learning to love those that are difficult and challenging, but also that his love has no bounds. The Bible specifically says, right, the love of Christ, neither height nor depth or any created thing could ever separate me from the love of God, the love of Jesus Christ. And so as we move forward today, Paul, as he's speaking to the Philippian church, he wants to break down a couple things to us. And can I share this tonight um, with our mind and our mindset? Maybe tonight God needs to move out some stuff up in here and needs to put it in the deleted box. Think about that. Sometimes we got to ask God, God, if there's things in here that you need to remove, some past experience, some trauma, some thing that happened in the past that no longer needs to reside here, Holy Spirit would just blow it away tonight. Whatever that might be, because guess what? That blocks, that prevents me from hearing God. That prevents me from seeing God, doesn't it? Your mind affects how you act, doesn't it? When you came, you walked in, you're like, eeny meeny miny mo, here's where I'm gonna sit, right? You made a conscious choice, did you not? And if there's someone here in the church you wanted to avoid, but we don't do that, right? You kind of went the other way, right? Your mind controlled your heart. Did it not? So, God, renew. Renew my mind. Transform me even tonight. Paul goes on. We're going to pick it up, verse 10. Remember, or verse 9. We'll do verse 9. For God, uh, and it says here, And this is, I pray, remember Paul's prayer, that your love may abound, it may grow, it may blossom, it may overflow still more and more in knowledge and discernment. And here we pick it up, verse 10. That you may approve the things which are excellent. That you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Jesus Christ. And then being filled with the fruit of righteousness, which are by Christ, Jesus, Jesus Christ, the glory and praise of God. So three things he says here as a result. Because this love is overflowing, number one, it says real simply that you will be able to approve what is excellent. That from your perspective, you always say, this is what life is really all about. Do you remember prior to Jesus Christ, prior to conversion, you thought these things and the world would make you happy, Correct. And what do you do? He you transform your mind? You think differently. So because we have the love of Christ overflowing in our life, I'm going to think, I'm going to act. My perspective on what really matters. We talked about treasure tonight, right? What really matters? If we all had a physical treasure box, what would you put in there tonight? If you could pick three things, tangible, invisible, what three things would you put in there? See, Paul is saying, because you have the love of Christ in you, this is what I want you to know. That you would be able to prove what is excellent. But not just that. It says, as a result of God's love, you will be sincere. That idea of sincere is genuine, without blemish. It's light minus darkness. If there be any darkness in our life, Holy Spirit, expose it with your beautiful light. That's what he's talking about here. That you would be blameless. You would be pure, that you wouldn't be offensive, right? Anyone here offended anyone this week? Can you tell when you offend someone? Their whole, their whole face changes it, right? You can just say one thing, and all it takes is one word, correct? And you could offend someone. Holy Spirit, let's pray. Let's ask him, God help us that we don't offend the Lord. And the last thing it says here is not only that, but that we would have the fruit of righteousness, that we would approve, that we would do those things which are right before God. As he now starts a new thought, verse 12. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. I want you, if you have a pen, pencil, highlighter, mascara, lip gloss, I want you to highlight that. My chains in Christ. Everyone say, my chains in Christ. My chains in Christ. Christ. What does that mean for us? What does that mean for us today? We're going to get back to that. My chains in Christ and how you and I need to live that life, right? As it goes on, verse 14, and most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So what's going on here? Remember, Paul is on house arrest. He's in a sense, possibly death row. He doesn't know his end date. He doesn't know his expiration date, but he knows it's coming soon. He's in prison. He's incarcerated because he was preaching the gospel. He was doing the will of his father. But as a result, everyone else, all the religious people, all the people who didn't like what Paul stood for, which is Jesus Christ, same like us. There's a lot of people who don't approve of our lifestyle. They don't approve of our conservative choices. They didn't like Paul, so they threw him into prison. He was incarcerated. He was on house arrest. And what goes on here, Paul simply says, verse 12, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happen to me, being on house arrest, chained to this guy, this palace guard, it's actually for the better. It's actually for the furtherance of the gospel that's become evident to the palace guard. So it takes us out. Paul's saying, my imprisonment, my suffering, these chains, uh, the unsanitary conditions, The bad prison food, all of this is for the furtherance of the gospel. All of this, my calamity is pushing forward the gospel. What he's saying, my suffering is allowing people to hear about Jesus. When you go through your suffering, when you go through a trial, are people able to see Jesus? Or do they see just us? Or do they see the trial? Paul says here simply in verse 13, he says, check it out, the whole palace guard, everybody around, they heard about this. They've been hearing this commotion. They've been hearing the rumors that this guy, Paul, this prisoner, Paul, he's talking about Jesus. And not only that, the guys who get chained up to him, boy, you better watch out. Could you imagine you get the schedule? Okay, I'm here with Silas. I'm going to watch him. Paul, who, i got to watch Paul tonight. Could you imagine that? Paul, you're going to get an air from the apostle Paul on the gospel and on Jesus. I can imagine them. Everybody, anyone here work at a, a place where you, have to change, you can change your shift? Can you imagine that? It's like, uh, I don't want to work there because, you know, Paul. Uh, this is what happens. Every person, and the Bible says, some of them, when they heard the gospel through Paul, they get saved. So you better believe if you're up to take care of Paul, you're going to hear the gospel. And you're going to be changed as a result of it. But he says here, these are my chains in Christ. I want to, I want to look at this real quick. My chains in Christ. His imprisonment, and I love this. My chains are in Christ. Planned by God. These chains were planned by God, arranged by the Lord, ordained the situations. God allowed Paul to be chained. That's kind of a deep thought because there are things in our life that we think are not ordained by God. There's this old song. He's got the whole world in his hands. He got the whole world in his hands. If if I believe that if God is sovereign, then he knows every episode, every season of my life. And if I trust Jesus, I got to trust his plan. I can't say I trust Jesus but I don't trust his plan. And so I have to learn when God allows these sufferings, the imprisonments, the illness, the divorce, the strained relationships, when God allows that, I have to see it's His hand. Paul pleaded, remember 2 Corinthians? uh, It says, real simply, and He said to me, when Paul pleaded that the thorn in his flesh, and remember that passage? He asked God, please, how many times did he ask the Lord? Once, twice, three times. He said three times, God, if it be possible, remove this thorn. And what did Jesus say? Let's read this. Can we read this? Verse 13. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Let's, can we that, say that with a little bit more passion? Like you love the word of God? Can we try this? All right, ready. One, two, three. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Amen. Amen. Whatever you got going on. Holy Spirit, Jesus says, My grace is enough. What are you saying? I am enough. Yes, we'll need counseling. And yes, we need a little bit of this. And yes, we need that. But if Jesus ain't in the mix, you don't want it. It's got no business in the life of the believer. Paul says specifically, My chains are in Christ. My, it's personal. Each of us, we have our own set of weaknesses, don't we? You have a disability. You have a deficiency. You have an impediment. We have a weakness. Just like this passage. Paul, we can relate to Paul. Some of us have a thorn in our side. It's been there for a long time. And you've been pleading. It's actually been the top prayer for the past three weeks, three months, three years. And this is what Jesus says. My grace is enough. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in what? In what? In what? His power. Not our power. Psalm 86 says this, and I love this passage. It says, God, give your strength to your servant. Don't ask God to increase your strength. Your strength is very little. Your strength versus God's strength. So don't give me more my strength. My strength is weak. Say, my strength is weak. Say that. So don't say, God, make me stronger. Give me your strength. Give me what you got. Because if I have what you have, it's endless. It's limitless. Paul understood this, and he was able to say that. Tonight, what's, what's your chains? My chains are in Christ. What is that tonight? What is that weakness? What is that inadequacy? What is that thing in your life that you think, man, this is holding me back? I can't move forward because of this. Maybe you can't move forward because God wants you to stay put. So often we think, well, I need to walk. I need, I need to do these things. And God's, I don't need you anywhere except right here, right now. If you've been praying, God, get me out of this job, and he hasn't moved you yet, guess what? Be faithful. If you're thinking, I'm in this school program for so long, you're there on purpose. Church, let's not be so quick, impatient to get out of what we're in to go to the next season. Isn't it so funny when you were younger, everyone remember this? You couldn't wait till you were 16 so you could drive, right? And then, I'm not going to say the 21 thing because we're in church here, but you couldn't wait till you had a girlfriend, right? And then you couldn't wait till you got married. And you can not wait till you have kids. And you can't wait till all the kids are out, right? Every season, right? We're waiting for the next season. What if we just see God in every season and be cool with it? And be okay. See, maybe you are stuck or chained to this thing because God's trying to teach you something. But because you want to keep running, God's saying, I can't teach you when you're running. Anyone ever have to train somebody? Could you imagine you were working at McDonald's, Mickey D's? Um, and the person you're training just kept running around. Imagine that. How crazy. They're running around all through the kitchen in McDonald's, Mickey D's, right? Are you able to train them? Maybe God's saying tonight, you need to pause and wait on me. See, Paul understood that God's grace was enough. The result of Paul being in prison, being in chains, was for the furtherance of the gospel. The gospel is going forth. Because he was in prison, people were saying yes to Jesus. It goes on, it says, and most of the brethren, I love this, Paul's obedience to be in prison and to share the gospel, it says that the result, that the believers who had their own set of weaknesses became brave. It says it, and most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more what? Read it. Bold to speak the word without fear. Paul's imprisonment inspired believers to preach. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Instead of a grave, he gives us a garden. Instead of fear, he gives us faith. Sometimes it's a matter of just giving that to God and say, this is my fear, this is my insecurity, this is my weakness. Give me what you have, God. And church, we need to be a people that understand, though I may be in chains and these are the chains God has put me, attached me to, As I continue to shine for Jesus, it is a catalyst for the gospel. Remember, Paul's conduct, his courage inspired other believers. So could you imagine, those who can express the gospel anymore, now they're preaching. Those who would stutter when they would share the gospel, now they're speaking. There was a transformation that happened in the lives as a result of Paul being obedient. Paul's chains, his challenges, became an entrance for believers, to be brave, for the boldness. Our problems and pains in this life can become a pathway for revival in our relationship with Jesus. Our problems and pains, whatever you got, whatever your trials and troubles and tribulations are, if we allow it to, it can be a pathway for revival in our hearts, in our relationship with Jesus. You know why something... uh, go stale because it's untouched, right? You forget about it. Bread, right? Gets moldy if you don't touch it. If you leave it in the pantry, leave it somewhere, it eventually gets moldy. Sometimes our hearts and our lives, if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to touch those areas, it gets stale. It gets spoiled. Remember in the manna? what they say? Don't save it for the next day. It's going to get spoiled. What is God saying? Save the day for today. It's for today. Paul understood the importance of accepting his chains and realizing it's going to be a springboard that's going to stimulate the gospel. If you've got some chains in your life tonight, it's going to crowd you to Christ. If you have some weakness tonight that's weighing you down, it's intended to draw you deeper to Jesus. Jesus. If you have some calamity or chaos in your life, it's supposed to connect you to to the cross. Paul the Apostle understood this. In verse 15, he goes on to say Some indeed preach Christ, even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then, it goes on to say, what then, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. I want you to underline that. Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. Paul simply is saying here, acknowledging, hey, there are some people out there that are preaching Christ for their own personal gain. He says, out of jealousy, out of envy, out of strife, out of, out of rivalry, out of selfish. He acknowledges not everyone who is preaching Christ is legit. They're doing it for their own gain. They're counterfeits. They're phonies. They're con artists. We live in a world today where if you were to say the word Christian to some people, they don't think of Calvary Chapel South Bay. They think about maybe people they see on TV. They might think of people who have hurt them. Paul's saying here, I acknowledge that there's some that are preaching Christ that not, are not following the Lord. And there's some who are preaching out of goodwill, out of pure motives. There are some who are doing it out of loving me. And he realizes some are preaching Christ out of selfish g- gain um, to bring harm upon him. Because think about this. If there's people preaching Christ and they're relating them to the Apostle Paul, guess what? They can't touch them, but they can touch Paul in prison, right? So Paul understands this, and he realizes that there's some counterfeits. Um, Anyone here ever work at a bank, and they teach you how to tell a counterfeit from the real deal? And the, uh, the idea is that you handle the real money versus the counterfeit, and when you feel a counterfeit, you realize it. When I was in high school... Um, there was this name brand. Anyone remember Ralph Lauren Polo? Remember the polo shirts, right? And that was very, very popular. And so um, one of my family members gave me a polo shirt. And I was, I was like, man, I never had a polo shirt before. This is so cool. So I wore it in high school. And I'm like, yeah, Ralph Lauren, look at the tag, right? And I'm in class and the guy says, okay, Ralph Lauren, it's a guy on a horse, right? I was like, yeah. Is it cool? Is it cool? I was like, why does your horse look like a giraffe? The neck was so long, I was like, it does look like a giraffe. I'm not going to say the country I got it from, but it was fake. It was counterfeit, right? I was super embarrassed. I was like, the rest of the day I had to put a piece of tape on it because I didn't want to see that giraffe, right? You can tell the counterfeit from the real deal. Church, let's be the real deal. Let's not be counterfeit. Let's not be fake or a fraud. And the way that you do that is trusting in Jesus and on yourself or your own resources. Paul the Apostle acknowledged that there are those preaching Christ. But I love this. He says, but Christ is being preached. He says here, it doesn't matter whether their motives are false or genuine. The message of Christ is being preached. The first thing I want to share with you tonight is real simply this, is that Church, let's pray for a heart to preach Jesus. Let's pray for a heart that preaches Jesus. See, it didn't matter to Paul whether their motives were wrong or right. The name of Jesus, 2 Timothy 4.2 says what? Preach the word in season and out of season. When you feel like it and when you don't. Preach the word. Paul says here real simply, as long as Christ is being preached, the end result is joy. So you can think, How is Paul going to take joy in the fact that Christ is being preached through these false, these these people that are frauds? How? And I think it's real simple that Paul understood it's the message of Jesus. It's not the messenger of Jesus. God can use anything and everything. I've heard stories of people who watch something on TV and they fall down on their face and confess their sins and worship Jesus, right? I've heard stories who people... In their pocket is a tract they got three years ago. They read it and they receive Christ. God can use everything and anything. So let's not discredit, well, that person is this, that person is that. Let's bank on how good God is as opposed to the messenger and as opposed to the way it goes out. I don't know about you. When I first became a Christian, I would just goof up the gospel. You know what I'm talking about? And then Jesus, yeah, he, um, you, know, you know, that cross thing. He went up, and then he came down, and I just, I just messed it up. I remember one time this guy, after I, I know I was like, okay, I'm super nervous. I'm getting tongue-tied. It's not coming out. and I was like, oh, well, do you, do you, do you, do you want to receive Jesus? He's like, yes. Wait, what? That's God. That's God when even in our own, because we're not perfect, y'all. You're not. So you think you know the gospel and you can explain it adequately, efficiently, and we mess it up sometimes or misquote things. Anyone here ever misquote scripture, right? God still uses it. It's his word. The word of God doesn't come back void. And sometimes I got to be perfect. Oh, no, there's only one who's perfect. So don't don't put yourself on that. I have to be this. I have to be this. You just got to be who you are in Christ. And so when Paul is speaking now, he says, There's a bunch of people preaching Christ. I'm going to take joy because the name of Jesus is being spread. There is power in the name of Jesus. Can I get an amen? There is power in the name of Jesus. He is mighty. He is strong. He has a power to heal. He has a power to cast out demons. The name of Jesus has a power to multiply. That's who our Jesus is. Philippians chapter 2, verse 10, that the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's at the name. When I first came on staff here at Calvary Chapel South Bay, um, I was over at our high school ministry, and we used to have what's called a pastoral phone. So basically, it was a church phone number that if an emergency happened in your life, you would be able to call this number 24-7. Maybe in an accident, maybe you wanted prayer for something, um, maybe you had a family member who was in the hospital. You could call this number 24-7. Pretty much it started at 6 a.m. I'm sorry, 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. And each of the pastors, we would have a day where we would have the phone. So anytime we would ring, Carry Chapel South Bay, Dennis, how can I help you today? And they would share their deal. Well, it was my first year on staff here, and it was Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, I was one of the few pastors that was single. So basically, no wife, no life, you get the phone for Thanksgiving weekend. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. So I had the phone. It was my family's house, Thanksgiving day, eating turkey, you know, doing the whole deal. And around 10 o'clock at night, I get a call. Hi, this is Dennis. How can I help you today? The individual, the woman says, my father's uh, in the hospital. I don't know if he's going to make it. Can you come and pray? Okay, sure. And by the way, he's not a believer. So can you work on that? Okay, all right, cool. So I'm driving from Carson down Carson Street, and I'm, like, super nervous. This is the first time I've ever done anything like this. Get into Harbor UCLA right here. I walk in, and the room is full of people. And where are my Latino people at? Woo, you roll deep. There are about 30 people in that, right? I And you're like my people, Filipinos. you you all emotional, right? I'm just just going crazy. I I walk in. I'm like, okay, Lord, what do I do? And the woman who attended here, my father, and I see him. Okay, okay, great. Um, Okay, she's like, go ahead, go ahead. All right, Uh, let me have a seat here. I'm just super, I was like, all right. um, And as soon as Mr. Lopez and the whole family goes, whoom. Uh, Mr. Lopez, um, uh, I, I, I hear you, you're not going to make it, you know, I'm just like fumbling. I'm just like, oh, uh, granted, praise God. He was in a coma. All right. So, so anyway, I'm there and I just said, Mr. Lopez, I'm here. Your daughter called me and I just want to tell you about Jesus. And I, I prayed and I didn't even know what I said after that, honestly. At the end, I says, Mr. Lopez, if, if you want to receive Jesus, and his hand was like this, and I was like, okay, Mr. Lopez, if you want to receive Jesus, if you can hear me, just squeeze my hand, and nothing, right, okay, Mr. Lopez, maybe you didn't hear me the first time, but if you want to receive Jesus, squeeze my hand, and this gentle squeeze, yeah. I was like, whoo, right, all right. I know you can't pray back, but I'm going to pray for you, Mr. Lopez. And I pray with him. And I'm holding his hand for another two, three minutes. And all of a sudden, the... goes in. So he flatlines. Okay, Latino people. And all the nurses come in. And I stand back. And I remember walking. Get in my car, in the parking lot there. That's the power of the name of Jesus. If God can use a donkey, he can use an inexperienced believer who has no idea what they're doing. Preach. Have a heart to preach Jesus. He can do the work if I allow him to. And as I develop and cultivate my heart to preach Jesus, it's going to give me a greater purpose, right? Because the next time that call came, guess what? I didn't come hesitant. I was like, all right, we're about to do this. Okay, let's see, right? Not me, but him. I wasn't going in my, my strength or my worth or my experience, but in the name of Jesus. Paul goes on, and I love this, and it's probably one of my favorite parts of chapter 1. Verse 19, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, that according to my earnest... Right, According to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, it says real simply, but with all boldness, that as always, so not also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. One of my favorite passages, verse 21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is but if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what shall I choose? I cannot tell. For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to part and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, Paul says, that I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and faith of faith, that rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Church, let's have a heart to live for Christ and maybe at times die for Christ. Paul was ready. He understood that. He basically said, I want Christ to be magnified, amplified in my life. Whether I live or whether I die, I want people to see Jesus. That's, that was his aim. That his life or death would honor God. That as I reflect Christ for my life, this is the thing. The idea, if our life is like a magnifying glass, because there's that... that that Christ would be magnified through my life. When people see my life, their view of Jesus would become bigger and bigger. That he's not just a good man. That he's just not a prophet. That he's not just a regu- religious figure. That he's the son of God. Yeah. That people would be able to see that through my life as I preach Jesus, and they see him working in and through my life, right? Remember, Jesus, when... Lazarus was in the tomb, and Martha Mary says, Jesus, what's up? If you had been here, our brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus says simply, Martha Mary, I'm the, res- the resurrection of life, right? I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Paul understood this. Though I die or I live, my life is to glorify Jesus. Nothing else. I have, we have the privilege here as pastors to officiate memorials. And in these funerals at times, we will have people come up and share a eulogy or a story. My favorite part about believers who go to be with the Lord is when people come up and they share about the individual, their loved one, they come up and they share stories about, I thank God for bringing uncle so-and-so my life because of his life. I'm closer to Jesus. Or I thank you for a- a- Auntie Marianne when she shared Jesus with me when I was 12 years old and I received Christ. When I hear these testimonies, even in their death, they're glorifying God. May our lives reflect that, church. That my life is not my own. Realize that? We were bought with a price and that price was the blood of Jesus. And the blood of Jesus covers all sin. Right? Love God's love covers a multitude of sins. I'm about here, but I'm a really good sinner. Anyone else? I'm real good at it. I don't need to try. I don't need to do nothing. It just happens, right? They're like, oops, I sinned. Oops, I sinned again. Oops, I sinned, right? It comes natural. But this is a beautiful thing. We have the Spirit of God. We have the Spirit of God who helps us in our weaknesses. Paul really simply says to live is Christ. My living, living the life is saying my life isn't my own. Christ, while I'm alive, Jesus is in my life. But guess what? In my death, I'm in in the presence of Jesus. So either way, Paul says, I'm going to be good. His passion in Christ was that Jesus was the sum. He was the total. He was everything to him there is a missionary who went to the Aka Indians in Ecuador in the Amazon jungle, and he has this quote, and I love this quote because it reminds me, God forgive me when I try to hang on the things of this earth. Jim Elliott, this missionary who was killed, his quote was this, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. God help me cling to those things that are gonna last. Those things that are eternal. Those things that go beyond myself. And I'll tell you this Paul, as he, as, as he goes on here, real simply, he talks about, I don't know what to do. If I stay with you, that's cool. But if I die, I'm gonna be with Jesus. That's actually even better. How many of y'all feel like that, right? Lord, if you take me now, I'm good. I lived my life, I've done what you called me to do. And as I think about this, at times I realize he's saying, whether I live in the flesh or whether I die, it's in the name of Jesus. Verse 22, he actually says, I cannot tell. He says real simply here, but if I live on the flesh, this will mean fruit for my labor. Yet what shall I choose, I cannot tell. I love this. Paul didn't have the answer right there. Should I be with Jesus? Should I be with you all here, the Philippian church? I love it. It's a great example of what it says in the gospel. Ask. And he will give, seek, and you will find, knock, and the door will be open. Asking, seeking, knocking. This is a great example of Paul was like, I have two choices. I don't know which one is better. I don't know what you want, right? He goes on, he's like, I'm hard pressed. I'm between a rock and a hard place. We are in the same spot. We are earth born, but heaven bound, right? We're born of this earth. This is home for now, but our heart is there. Have you been heavenly-minded or earthly-minded lately? Has your mind been thinking on those things of Christ or the things of self, right? Paul essentially said, should I stay or should I go now? Right? Yes, the clash. There you go. Um, should I stay or should I go? Paul understood the importance of following Jesus. And I love this because as it goes on in the passage here, he simply says that from hard pressed between the two, having a desire to part and be with Christ, which is far better, nevertheless to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. He understood if I stayed, God has me here to help us, to help you, to see you grow. Verse 24, nevertheless to remain in the flesh is more needful. And being confident of this, Remember, he he said, I cannot tell. Should I stay or should I go? He goes on, being confident in this, that I know that I shall remain. He makes a decision. If this is where I'm gonna be, if I if my chains are in Christ, this is where I'm gonna stay. Each of us experiences tension of living on earth, right? God, I love, I love life, but I love you. And if I could just be with you right now, that would be great. Can I, can I encourage you? Let not heaven be an escape route. Someone was like, just take me now, Jesus. Life is so hard. I got to pay these bills, those student loans, my kids, going to college. I mean, we say just, Jesus, take us away. When Jesus, I'm not going to take you away. I want you to persevere. I want you to endure. I want you to work through what you're working through because you're here, still here for a purpose. Paul says real simply, verse 26, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you. Paul says, you know what, guys? I believe God's going to have me remain. I'm going to stay in these chains for a reason. He's pointing this out real simply. It's a sneak preview. It's a sneak preview to Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 4. It says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem be. Uh, others better than himself. Let each of you look out, not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Paul understood this, and it's a sign of maturity. And this is how you know if you're mature in the Lord. He says, not my joy, but their joy. Not my growth, but their growth. His mind was not in his life anymore. He already knew, if I pass away, if I die, I'm going to be with Jesus. That's not even the issue. His goal was like, what is going to help them? He was able to say, I'm going to esteem. I'm going to consider others better than myself. When you and I seek to bring joy to others, to please the Lord and his people, that's maturity. There is a gift called hospitality. And some of you here have this gift, right? It's serving others without expecting anything in return. Right? And you do it so joyfully. And you can tell those that have the gift of hospitality. You know those people? They're just servings, and they have a smile on their face. And you can tell those who don't have the gift of hospitality. You know how they can say? It's an it's, it's upside-down smile when they're serving. Oh, these people are just so messy. and, da, da, da. and Right? Can I tell you, if you, if you say stuff like that, you, you, don't, you don't have the gift of hospitality. Find another ministry to be a part of, okay? That's not your gift, right? Paul understood their joy, not my joy. And that's, that's a sign of maturity to be able to say, not my comfort, their comfort. That's tough to say, isn't it? Because we care about our comfort. We, we care about how we feel. We care about, you know, um, different things. For example, let's just take this. Each of you have a certain way that you prepare your bed. Everyone know what I'm talking about? Like you like the pillow, two pillows, one pillow, comforter, sheet, right? Everyone's particular, Right? Sometimes God says, what if I want you to sleep on the floor? Will you do it, right? I love this. It's not about me. It's about him. That acronym for joy, right? How do you spell joy? J-O-Y. J-O-Y. Jesus, others, and then you. You want to have joy? Put Jesus first, others second, and you? You get the bottom shelf. Because if, you, if you're looking to Jesus, he's going to take care of you. If you're looking to others, he's going to take care of you. And by the, by the time it gets to you, you're okay. Because it's not about us. Consider others better than yourself. And Paul understood this. And he simply wanted it and see that. So some simple ways to bring joy to others. If you know someone who's moving, right? Hey, could I, could I help you move some things? Pack some things up, right? Hey, uh, you just got out of surgery. Can we drop off a meal? right? Can we do that for you? It's not about me, it's about them. Or hey, if you want to, if you want to grab a bunch of, maybe grab about 200 carne asada and pastor tacos and drop it off here after church for all of us, praise God, right? I would be blessed, I don't know about you all, but I would be blessed, right? It's considering others better than yourself. Paul got this. He said, I could be with Jesus in heaven, but God's telling me to stay here with you. Would I rather be in heaven? Yeah. But the need here is greater. Paul goes from wrestling what does God want to what I want. That's a hard prayer. Jesus in the garden, right? Not my will, but your will be done. I, won't be surpri- I wouldn't be surprised if the Lord asks you that this week or tonight. Your will or his will. As this goes on, and we close it up in verse 27, it says, Only let your con- conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast, underlaying that, stand fast in one spirit, with one mind striving together in the faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition or destruction, but to you of salvation, that from God. Verse 29, For to you has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now hear in me. The third thing is not only the heart to preach and a heart to live, but a heart to stand in the midst. And And I didn't complete that because in the midst of whatever you're in. God, give me a heart to stand in the midst of it. Paul goes on, he says, let your conduct be worthy of the gospel. May your lifestyle reflect Jesus, right? So that whether I come and see you, you'll be pleasing unto the Lord. That you're standing fast, you're living as citizens, right? When I see you again, I pray that you would be together. I pray that, let me say this, I believe in this room, God has has united some of you together in friendship, in love, in, in bonding. And you are together for specific purpose. Paul's saying, When I see you again, I pray that you're still close to each other. I pray that you still have this bond of unity amongst each other, right? That you're striving for the gospel. Paul says here, I pray that you stand in the midst of fighting for the gospel. Our world today is saying, Christian, be quiet. Well, world, let me tell you, I will not be silent. I will not be quiet. I'm going to shine for Jesus, right? And so I think as we learn, as we hear from God, that we as a body of Christ, that we're going to stand for the gospel. Our world over the past two and a half years has been involved, and I'll say churches, has been involved a a whole lot of worldly issues. We just got to be about the gospel. That's the truth. That's what changes people. Oftentimes we think if we do this, if we do that, if we, we try to manipulate, nobody here manipulates family members or nothing like that, right? You don't do none of that, right? You don't give no guilt trips or anything like that. But if you did, right, that's God's job. Uh, third person of Trinity, Holy Spirit, that's his job. You just speak the truth in love and let the Holy Spirit parent, mom, dad, if you're trying to, Win your son or daughter to the Lord by every time, you know, and, I, and I, encourage, <laughs> I encourage someone, hey, you know, if your child is not walking with the Lord, maybe in the room just at night, pray over them. Well, this one lady said, I did that, Pastor Dennis, and he got angry. I go, what would you do? Well, I got some anointing oil started pouring on their hair and doing this. I was like, yeah, that's not what I was talking about. But, yeah, I would be irritated, too, if I was sleeping, right? So <laughs> why do I always say that? Because a lot of times we think it's a formula. If I do this, then they'll come back to the Lord. If, if, if I pray at 3 o'clock every day, my spouse, when he comes home, will not be angry. It's not a formula, guys. It's the Holy Spirit. You, you're led by what he tells you to do, not by what you think should be done. Paul said, stand in the midst of fighting for the gospel, Right? Whether you're sharing, whether you're serving, whether you're speaking. The next thing, verse 28, is says, And not in any way terrified by your adversaries. Stand in the midst of your enemies. No fear. Psalm 3, 6 says, do not, I'm not afraid of 10,000 people. Thou, O Lord, are shield about me. I've got no fear of what man can do to me. Paul understood that in the Psalms. What can man do to me? He understood, if you take me out, guess what? I'm going to be with Jesus. If you leave me here, I'm going to preach Jesus. Jesus is going to happen no matter what. Church, let's be, let's be people like that. No matter what happens, I'm always going to be about Jesus. Even when it's tough. Even when I don't feel like it. I love how the Holy Spirit will present opportunities for you to shine, and you don't feel like shining. Anyone know what that is, right? It's like, oh, maybe another time, Jesus. Or maybe when I'm feeling better. Or maybe when I'm not, not in a hurry. I call those little pop quizzes from the Lord. And remember school, you get a pop quiz. You're never prepared for it, are you? It's just like, hi, everyone, ready? Take out your pencils. We're going to have a pop quiz. And if you knew the material, you're like, Psh. but if you didn't know the material, ah, oh, ah, oh, right? God will allow little pop quizzes in our life to see if we're learning what we should be learning. Finally, he says, For to you has been granted, verse 29, on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. Paul says this. It's not just trusting him. Sometimes it's suffering for him. First Peter 2.21 says, For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you, He is your example, and you must follow in his footsteps. The cross was painful. But he did it. And the Bible says that we should follow in his footsteps. Can I tell you, church, the struggle is real, y'all. It's real. We are in the struggle together. And Paul says, you've seen my struggle in the past, and I'm still in the midst of it. I'm still in chains. Paul is simply saying here, I'm not where I want to be, but where I am, I believe, is where God has me. The truth is, we will encounter people who are going to oppose our faith, who are going to come against us. When we want to stand, they're going to tell us to sit. We are living in a world that wants us to remain silent. But we have a God who will open up a pathway for us to speak. 2nd Chronicles chapter 20 verse 17 it says you will not need to fight this battle position yourselves stand still and see the salvation of the Lord God gives his greatest God gives the hardest battles to the bravest soldiers If you're brave God's going to see you through your greatest battle whatever that looks like cancer disease death Whatever that battle is, if you're willing to be brave, if you're willing to take a step of faith and say, God, if you're going with me, that's what Paul said. These chains, I'm okay with these chains, just stay with me, Jesus. I'm gonna be okay. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego with that fiery furnace. They were in the midst of the fire. That fourth figure that looked like the Son of God was there. They're okay. They walked out untouched. Amen. If you in the fire. With Jesus, you will be untouched. And church, some of us are afraid to go in the fire, but if you got Jesus with you, you're going to be okay. As I look at this, if these challenges in life, if we don't allow these challenges, if it doesn't challenge us, it won't change us. We'll remain the same. So these weaknesses and challenges that we go through, are intended for our growth. One of my favorite passages is in 2 Samuel chapter 23, and it talks about David, David's mighty men. And it focuses on three of them. And one of the guys, his name is Shammah. Everyone say Shammah. And Shema, this is what it says in Second Samuel 23 verse 12. But he stationed himself, he stationed, he stood and held his ground in the middle of the field, defended it, and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. So let me give you some background on this. So each of these mighty men of God, God provided an episode where they were able to stand for God in the midst of the battle. So Shema was standing by faith. And it says that he was in a bean field, lentils. If you think about this, if you're going to battle with someone, do you want to be in an open field where you're a you're sitting, you're sitting duck, you're open target? No, you won't want to be there. You'll be hiding behind a tree or in the middle of a valley where people can see you. But Shema was standing in the middle of a field and lentils, beans. So you could imagine um, the beans were growing, harvest time, what have you. So even if you wanted to move, if he wanted to run, guess what? He might trip. So God planted him right there. He stood in the middle of the field. That's what the Bible says. He stationed himself, stood his ground. Shammah was standing in the center of the bean field. My brothers and sisters, stand in the center of God's perfect will. Stand there. Stand your ground. Stand in the midst. Don't go to the left. Don't go to the right. Stand exactly where God has placed you. He's placed you there for a reason, for a purpose. Don't get distracted. So if you're preaching, keep preaching. If you're you're serving, keep serving. The Bible says specifically, he defended and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought a great what? The Lord brought a great victory. I want you to get a visual here. Shema is in the middle of this bean field in the center, and the Philistines come down. If there are five, a 1,000, the Bible says he defended and killed them all. How? God. He just had to stay where he was supposed to be. Think about it. He stayed put. If you want victory, oftentimes God will say, stay put, stay faithful, don't run around, Don't try to fix it. Don't try to make it happen. Stay put. Stay faithful. Stay in the game. If we follow through the testing, there's going to be a testimony, right? If we remain in the battle, there's going to be a praise report. The greatest victories are always on the other side of the greatest battles. With every great battle... There's going to be great victory if I stand, if I remain, if I station and hold my ground. Tonight, I believe God is calling some of us to stand because God wants to bring victory. Um, I believe for myself and maybe for some of us here tonight, you're kind of going back and forth about something. And maybe tonight, God's saying, I want you to stand in the gap on behalf of your children. I want you to stand in the gap on behalf of your marriage. I want you to stand in the gap on behalf of your family member who's ill. Oftentimes, what prevents me from standing is because I'm tired. If you're here tonight and, and you've been tired of that same prayer... And thinking, will God, will God answer? Does, does God hear me? Will, will, will it come to pass? My, my encouragement, keep standing. Keep praying. Don't let up. Don't let the enemy take any of this ground. Mom, dad, brother, sister, husband, wife, it's time for us to stand your ground on behalf of your loved ones on behalf of our church, on behalf of the city of L.A., let's stand and position ourselves in the center of God's will. Just like Shemal was in the center of his being filled, he knew he was supposed to be there, he did not move. Let's be a people. Nothing of these things would move us, nor do I count my life dear to myself, that I might finish this race with joy and fulfill the ministry that God has entrusted to us, to you. And so tonight... Um, I'm going to pray, and if tonight you believe that God's calling you to stand, um, to stand in the midst of whatever you're going through, doing this prayer, I'm going to ask you to stand. Actually, I'm going to ask you to stand right now. If you tonight know you're in a spot where God's saying, I want you to stand in the midst of this. I want you to be strengthened. I want you to, to receive all that I have for you. I want you to stand, Okay. And those that are sitting, I want you to lay a hand or stretch out a hand towards those people that are standing right now. Just stretch out a hand or if you're close to them, lay a hand on them. Because I believe in the power in the name of Jesus, right? And those that are standing right now because God is calling you to position yourselves. God is calling you to remain faithful. God is calling you not to be moved or swayed that God sees you standing, God sees you, and he knows you, and he loves you, and he has a great purpose and plan for your life. And so in those moments when you want to give up, don't let up. Hang in there. I'm going to say, husbands and wives, could you just grab your spouse's hand right now? Don't let this, don't let nothing ever break that bond between you and your spouse, ever. What God has put together, let no man, let nothing separate. Don't let anything interfere in your relationship with Jesus. He's all that we need. He's all that we could ever want. Let's pray. Father God, we just come today and we believe. God, help our unbelief. God, For myself, there's a lot of unbelief, a lot of doubt, a lot of pessimism. And God, we want joy. We want peace. We want hope. And so, God, for those that are standing, representing, they're standing in the gap. They're standing because it's been tiring and the burden has been heavy, God. Thank you. They stand and they, they, they lift up their hands in surrender tonight, believing that you can carry their burden for them. God, your word says to feed on the faithfulness. God, we feed we take in, we accept, we rejoice in the fact that you've been faithful before, you're going to be faithful again. Whatever they are dealing with tonight, God, whatever is ailing them, whatever is causing grief, we believe you can do the impossible in this place tonight. So God, would you heal and would you touch? Would you revive, God, those things within us? You said in revelations, those things that are about to die, God, you want to bring back to life. God, we lift up every prodigal son and daughter represented in this room tonight. God, bring them back home, God. Bring them back home to you, Jesus. We pray for every wayward spouse or parent or sibling, God. If they've been out in the world gallivanting, spending their life savings on worthless worthless things, God, bring them back home. And God, if some are just, have been beat down by the enemy and some have been a bit terrified and weakened. God, tonight, strengthen them. God, give them your strength. Give them your strength tonight, God. And so we thank you for your, thank you for your touch. Thank you for your your voice. Thank you, God, for what you're going to do in this place, God. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus and all of God's people said,